Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me, where I host a creepy double feature every night in October. Come join me, won't you? Tonight is October 24th, my friends, on 62 Horror Movies, and tonight is Dumb Teenagers on Halloween night on this podcast. And I realize that could apply to many, many, many different horror movies, especially horror movies made in the 1980s, which is the double feature that we are going to do tonight. I love horror movies from the 1980s. That's when some of the most fun horror movies were made, I think. First up tonight, we are going to be watching... Hell Night, released in 1981, and then Night of the Demons, released in 1988. 1988 was such a good year for horror movies. There were so, so many. Um, I think that is the year that has the highest number of movies on this list, is actually 1988, which was totally accidental, but it is what it is. Um, so Hell Knight technically does not take place on Halloween, but it might as well. Uh, so Hell Knight, the title refers to sort of the frat and sorority initiation night in certain college campuses where you put your pledges through some really, really horrific stuff, and then they get to be part of the fraternity or sorority. Uh, never understood the appeal myself, but I also did not go to a college that had um, fraternities or sororities, so maybe I just don't know what I missed. Uh, but Hell Knight is a movie that... Even though it does not technically take place on Halloween, it might as well take place on Halloween because the Hell Knight in this movie is also a costume party. So it's basically Halloween, and it's a spooky slasher movie. So in my head canon, I imagine that this movie takes place on Halloween night. And you can too, if that increases your enjoyment. So Hell Night, released in 1981, uh, was written by Randy Feldman, directed by Tom DeSimone, and stars Linda Blair in her slasher horror 80s debut. Linda Blair, of course, uh, as you probably know, and as I mentioned in a previous episode of the podcast, was an actor who, while very young, was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actress and won a Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress for The Exorcist, released in 1973. Uh, it, she gives a really remarkable performance in that movie, uh, as I talked about before. But I think Linda Blair's career, which really up until 1977 
was really on the ascendant, you know, even post The Exorcist. She was in a lot of movies and both for, you know, cinema and also TV movies that really made an impact uh, and roles that got her a lot of attention. Um, but then in 1977, she starred in Exorcist II, The Heretic. And if you've never seen Exorcist II, The Heretic, I believe you should watch it. I personally really enjoy that movie. Um, it was a huge failure and is regarded as one of the absolute worst movies ever made. Um, certainly one of the worst sequels ever made. You know, The Exorcist sets a high bar. Whatever you might think of it, whether you think it's scary or not still, you can't deny that it is a quality movie. Like, just really excellent work on all levels in The Exorcist. And Exorcist II, The Heretic, which was directed by John Borman, um, that all kind of falls apart. Uh, you have Linda Blair in the movie as Ray, as an older Reagan who's been in therapy since the events of the first film, obviously, um, being perhaps possessed again. Uh, Kitty Wynn, who played Sharon in the original Exorcist, returns uh, in her role um, in a quite brief capacity in Exorcist 2. Uh, Ellen Burstyn turned it down. Uh, um... And replacing Father Marin and Father Karras from the original Exorcist and Exorcist 2, you have Richard Burton. Um, and Richard Burton is flat-out shit-faced drunk during the entire movie. Um, also, as Reagan's therapist, you have Louise Fletcher, a great actor, who two years before, in 1975, had won the Oscar for Best Actress for playing Nurse Ratched in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So, great cast, great pedigree. Um, the movie Exorcist 2 is kind of a disaster, um, but it's a fascinating disaster. And it has a beautiful, really haunting musical score by Ennio Morricone. Um, Linda Blair later uh, expressed great regret about Exorcist 2, um, saying that if you could read the original script, like the original script that she and all the other actors in this movie signed on to do... Um, she said, if you could read the original script, it was really something quite wonderful. And I think you can see just a, a lot of the glimmer of that wonderful in The Exorcist to the Heretic that we have. So, again, I'm cheating um, because it's my podcast and I can. And I think you should watch The Ex Exorcist to the Heretic. Um, it's a bad movie, but it's a very interesting bad movie. And... I'm talking about that because that is what really changed the direction of Linda Blair's career. Uh, it, it, I don't want to say destroyed it because Linda Blair is an actor who has continued to work very often subsequently and up to the present day. Um, but it, I think it's a big reason why Linda Blair is in the movie Hell Night in 1981, uh, her first horror slasher movie, uh, entering that sort of genre of horror. 
And I think Linda Blair's really great in this movie. She is the pledge in this college hell night that is very sweet. She's very relatable. She's totally the person that you're with throughout the entirety of this film. And it's great to see Linda Blair become one of the great 80s horror scream queens um, in this film. And her costume is a Red Riding Hood, uh, Red Riding Hood costume, uh, incidentally. So uh, Linda Blair was nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award, also known as the Razzie Award for Worst Actress of 1981 for Hellnut. And I think that's very unfair because uh, I think she's terrific. Uh, I love Linda Blair. Um, so the premise for Hell Knight is that there are these new pledges who are going to be inducted into the fraternity and what they have to go through to be part of it is spend an entire night until dawn into Garth Manor, the local haunted house where many horrible things happen. And I think one of the reasons why Hell Knight succeeds really well is because it tells its backstory very early on. And I'm just going to play it for you now because it really sets up this whole movie. It's a little long, but I think it's worth playing in its entirety. It'll really give you a feel for Hell Knight. In 1850, Virgil Garth built this mansion with a gold that was pouring out of his mind. Since then, four generations of Garths have lived here until 12 years ago. The last people to live in the house were Raymond and Lillian Garth, and their four children. Now, Lillian Garth was a hopeless simpleton. About the only thing she was good for was childbearing, and she didn't turn out to be too hot at that. First child she bore, Raymond was a boy. A mongoloid boy they called Morris. Now, Morris brought great sorrow to the Garths, and they immediately set about to have another child. And they were soon cursed with the baby girl, Suzanne. Now, she was so hideously deformed, that it was impossible to tell from looking at her if she was male or female. But to her father's immense disgust, she used to drag herself around the house with the help of her one good leg. <laughs> now, the guards were very fanatical about their privacy. They didn't want to have to be dependent on anyone else, so they isolated themselves up here. And that is why they never put in any modern utilities. There's no gas, no electricity, and no phone. So again, they tried to have a child, and within the year, the guards added Margaret. But unfortunately, it soon became apparent that poor little Margaret could neither hear, nor speak, nor see. But good old Ray was determined, and he decided to have one last go. So Lillian got pregnant again, and she carried the child for ten and a half months, until finally she delivered a little gork named Andrew. Andrew never spoke a word in his first 14 years. He just made these grunts and groans like the sounds of wild animals. Now, Raymond Garth lived isolated in this house for 14 years with this freak show until he couldn't stand it anymore. Twelve years ago, he assembled the entire family in the parlor. And then he took his dear wife, Lillian, and he strangled her to death. Then he took the mongoloid son, Morris, and he bashed out what little brains he had with the fireplace poker. Then he took the deformed little Suzanne and he impaled her with the same poker. Then he took the deaf, dumb, and blind little Margaret, and he slit her throat. And then Raymond Garth got a rope and hung himself to death. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs>
punishment of all to his 14-year-old gorked-out son, Andrew, who was forced to witness the slaughter of his entire family. Now, when the police arrived, they discovered a note written by Raymond Garth describing the entire gruesome act. But strangely, they only discovered three dead bodies, and young Andrew was nowhere to be found. Oh, they searched the house as thoroughly as they could, but still only came up with three corpses. Andrew. Andrew is still believed by some to be living somewhere within this house. So that is the story of Garth Manor um, in Hell Night, and this is ten minutes into the movie, I might add, which, like a few movies we've talked about before, chiefly The Haunting of 1963, uh, setting up your backstory really early on, I think, does a great job into making sure your audience for your horror movie has a good time. Um, There's a lot that's kind of gross and offensive about the the early part of that backstory, especially. Um, But that does a really great job of setting up this movie and sort of what you expect. And after that, that is when the pledges go into Garth Manor and um, murder happens. Um, I don't want to spoil it, Um, but it's a lot of fun. Um, Some technical things about this movie. Uh, There's a lot of running around in the tunnels under Garth Manor that happens throughout Hell Night. One of the fun things that I'd like you to keep in mind as you watch it is that the director went on record in saying that they actually only had enough money to construct literally two tunnels. And they just filmed people running back and forth in these two tunnels from different angles. And that's how they got it in the movie. Which, to be fair, if you didn't know that fact going in, you wouldn't realize it. But I think that's kind of fun. Um... Also, this was a really long and arduous uh, film shoot, as remembered by everyone who worked on it. Uh, Hell Night took 40 days to film. They filmed it in the fall and the winter of 1980. uh, To be specific, November 1980 to January 1981. And uh, Linda Blair remembered that she, along with everyone else on the cast and crew, celebrated Thanksgiving of 1980 while they were traveling on a bus between filming locations for Hell Night. Uh, One sort of weird, kind of creepy fact about Hell Night is that the actors who play... uh, the killers in this movie, um, the remnants of the Garth family, as you heard told of earlier, they're not credited in the end credits for this film. And nobody, and more than that, no one, including the director, remembers their names, remembers who they were. Um, so there's, someone said, uh, connected with the film, that... 
the two actors who played the monsters in this movie were um, from Germany who spoke no English, uh, and that one of the actors died very, very soon after Hell Knight was released, but no one remembers their names, which is kind of sad, but also kind of creepy. Um, Hell Knight is a really fun movie. Um, it's not a movie that is scary, but if you're looking for just a fun 80s horror movie slasher to watch that doesn't gross you out, but has a really creepy premise and setting and has fucking Linda Blair in it, um, Hell Knight's a great movie to watch. It is streaming on Shudder. So watch that and we'll come back for our second feature of the night. Blessed be the sinners, for the Day of Atonement is at hand. Say what? And thus begins the dance scene in our second feature of the night, Night of the Demons from 1988. Oh God, I love this movie. It is written by Joe Augustin and directed by Kevin S. Tenney. And really after Thriller happened in the 1980s, uh... 80s horror movies, especially slashers, um, but not exclusively, um, started including these dance numbers in their films, and I find it so delightful, and the one in Night of the Demons is one of the best. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs just did a Halloween special on Shudder, uh, in one of the movies he showed was Hack-A-Lantern, also from 1988, one of the great years for horror movies, um, and in that movie there's a, a heavy metal satanic dance number that is so, so good. And there's another great thriller rip-off musical number in a horror movie that I am saving for our finale on October 31st when, because we're going to end with my favorite Halloween horror movie ever made. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, but if you've seen the list, you know. But Night of the Demons is one of those movies that is so, so great for Halloween. It's set on Halloween. It's a lot of fun. Um, can't recommend it highly enough. I was very fortunate, I think, to be perhaps of the last generation, I'm, again, I'm 35, uh, to grow up in the era of the video store where, you know, a big outing <laughs> on on a weekend night was to go to the video store and rent a movie. And of course, I was always entranced by the horror movie section. Um, and part of the great joy of video stores, especially I think in the late 80s and early 90s when they were at their height, 
is that the horror movies, when they released them on VHS, the cover really mattered because the cover is what was going to sell your movie and the cover was what was going to make someone pick it up and pay money to take it home and watch it, even if the movie was a piece of shit. Um, Night of the Demons is not a movie that is a piece of shit, um, but it is one of those VHS movie covers in the horror section that just really captured my attention when I was a young fella uh, interested in horror because the, the cover for Night of the Demons... Um, which you'll see on my Facebook post if you follow that. If not, if you're just listening on my Patreon, um, and thank you. Um, I hope you Google it, but it has the demonic version of the main character, Angela, holding up a party invitation over this title, Night of the Demons. And there's text that reads, Angela's having a party. Jason and Freddy are too scared to come, but you'll have a hell of a time. You're invited to my party, Angela. Um, so to my mind, as a young person interested in horror, I was like, oh, this movie's even scarier than the Halloween movies and the Friday the 13th movies, which... You know, at that time, I still was not allowed to see yet. Uh, I first saw the Halloween and Friday the 13th movies on Monster Vision, hosted by Joe Bob Briggs on TNT in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, and that's why I brought up Joe Bob Briggs on Shudder in the beginning, because it really is a really fun and great gift that he's still hosting horror movies. But Night of the Demons uh, is, as I said, I think one of those perfect movies to watch on Halloween if you want something that's really fun, but also really weird in a lot of ways. It's not a movie that I think is scary, but it is a movie that really captures the night of Halloween really, really well. And... The premise of the movie, which, again, I love uh, when I finally got to see it, uh, is that Angela Franklin, played by Amelia Kincaid, and by God, she is so good in this film, um, but Angela Franklin... At her high school, I mean, all the actors are clearly in their 20s and maybe 30s playing high schoolers. Um, but, you know, suspension of disbelief. But Angela is the, the weird goth girl who's into horror and the occult and witchy stuff. Um, and one of the characters says of her early in the movie that Halloween is like Christmas to her. And, oh, I relate to that so much. That's really why I'm doing this whole podcast in the beginning. But the character of Angela uh, is that sort of weird goth kid that in not Halloween times, would probably be ignored or bullied by every other 
character in the movie, but because it's Halloween and she wants to host a party on Halloween, they're all like, oh yeah, that'll be fun. So Night of the Demons is a movie where sort of the weird goth kid in high school gets the power and gets all the popular kids to come to a really creepy place where things happen. And I personally take great satisfaction from that. Um, So all the people that Angela invites to this Halloween party, they go to the local you know, haunted house, as you do, and it is called Hull House, which is clearly a riff on Hill House from The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, uh, and also Hell House, of the novel by Richard Matheson, both novels made into great movies we've talked about before. And like Hell Knight, Night of the Demons does a really great job of, in a very succinct way, giving you the history of the creepy house that you are going to enter. But Night of the Demons kind of does it one better in that the creepy house is also a funeral parlor, a mortuary next to a cemetery. And I'm going to play the backstory for you just for a moment. There it is. Stop the car. This place was once a funeral parlor, wasn't it? Yeah. Biggest one in four counties. A funeral parlor? Way out here? Sure. It's nice and cozy, right next to the old cemetery. And rumor has it old man Hull really loved his clientele. I mean, in the carnal sense. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I once saw a portrait of Mrs. Hull. Her stories about this place ever since I was a kid. The Hall family met a pretty gruesome man, didn't they? They sure did. As a matter of fact, it was on Halloween night. One of them went crazy and slaughtered the entire family, then committed suicide. They could never figure out who did it. Too much blood and guts. <laughs> I can't believe we're gonna party here. And that is the premise of Night of the Demons in a nutshell, folks. Um... So, one other uh, notable cast member that is in this movie is Linnea Quigley. And I think, as I touched on in a very early episode of this podcast, that if you're looking at 80s horror movies and Tom Atkins or Linnea Quigley are in that movie, then that is a movie that you should watch. And Linnea Quigley actually features in perhaps the most memorable scene from Night of the Demons, the one that you will not forget, that you cannot unsee once you see it. Because there's one scene in this movie where Linnea Quigley, after she's been possessed by demons, of course, uh, she's topless, because 80s horror movie, so topless. And there's a tube of lipstick she has in her hand. And she pushes that tube of lipstick through her nipple and into her breast where it disappears. And the best thing about that is that it is never mentioned again in this movie. 
it is such a weird visual uh, that will stay with you. So once Angela gets all her popular kid uh, party guests into Hull House, the funeral parlor, um, clearly haunted, uh, they have a seance, which is clearly the best idea. And that is when the demon is released from the crematorium and starts possessing different people and different people start to die. And I do think I have to mention that, as you may have heard in the clips I've played of this film, there is some really gross misogyny uh, in uh, Night of the Demons, but you can take comfort in the fact that the people who say those gross misogynistic words all die uh, by the end of this movie. And there's also a really fun bookend to this film where in the beginning of it, uh, some of the, you know, popular, horrible teenagers harass this old man who is coming back from the store and he has apples and he's bought razor blades and he says, they're all gonna pay. And at the end of Night of the Demons, and this is a spoiler, but I think it's important to talk about because it's a great bookend and demonstrates why this movie's a delight. Uh, At the end of this movie, you go back to, after all the stuff has happened, you go back to the cranky old man, and he's eating some apple pie that his delightful old wife has cooked for him. And then... He starts to die and realizes that the apples that his wife cooked in the pie are the apples filled with razor blades that he was going to feed to the teenagers and children. And his wife says, Happy Halloween, dear. My friends, thank you for joining me for 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens, that's me. Tomorrow night is Scary Stories Night. We are going to watch Creep Show from 1982, followed by Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark from 2019. Until then, happy Halloween, my friends.